This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard, and today is Thursday, June 1st, 2023. It's been 3,382 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 463 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. This podcast contains frank descriptions of war and its effects and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, in preparation for larger offensive operations, Ukrainian forces continue shaping operations on multiple axes, creating panic and uncertainty among Gauleiters, Russian administrators, and military leaders. Second, Current weather models indicate soil conditions will become favorable for large-scale military operations by June 5th. Third, we've identified shaping activity by the Ukrainian armed forces in four locations that could indicate a larger attack is being prepared. Fourth, while Russian forces are continuing limited localized attacks in the Dvorichna and Marinka operational areas, the decreasing number of attacks and increased use of artillery indicates that Russian forces are in a defensive posture and waiting for Ukraine to launch its offensive. Fifth, anger and frustration among Russian state media, propagandists, mill bloggers, and residents of the oblasts that border Ukraine expanded due to the Kremlin's weak response to a drone attack on Moscow and its continued inability to respond to border incursions in the Bilgorod, Bryansk, and Kursk regions. Sixth, we maintain that Russian Chief of Staff Valery Gerasimov and Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu are some of the best allies available for the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense due to their acceptance of systemic corruption, political infighting, waste of military resources, and straight-up refusal to adapt to the realities within the theater of war. And finally, we maintain the less-than-acceptable performance of Russian air defenses in Moscow puts unpopular General of the Army Sergei Sorovyakin at risk of dismissal. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. 
In the Dvorichna operational area, Ukrainian and Russian sources reported that fighting shifted to the western edge of Masyutivka, with Russian forces unable to advance in the direction of the Oskil River, confirming our assessment from May 30th that Russian mercenary millblogger Ribar's claim that Russian troops had established a bridgehead on the west bank of the Oskil River were inaccurate. The Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, alleged that Ukrainian Surveillance, Reconnaissance, and Sabotage, or DRG, units were operating in the area of Sinkivka. In the Kupiansk operational area, the Russian MOD alleged Ukrainian DRG units were also active in the areas of Orlyansky and Kotlyarivka. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. Operational Command spokesperson Colonel Serhi Cherevati said that Russian forces fired 557 artillery rounds, mortars, rockets, drone-delivered IEDs, and bombs, and Russian Army Aviation and Air Force, or VKS, carried out 12 airstrikes from Dvorichna to Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansk. In the Svaltova operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, and Russian mercenary millblogger War Gonzo reported that Russian forces made multiple attacks on Novoselivsky, supported by the Russian VKS, and were unsuccessful. Both sources also reported that Russian forces attacked in the direction of Stelnachivka, suffered losses, and returned to their defensive positions. Proof positive that a routine is not always helpful. In the Lysychansk operational area, Russian and Ukrainian forces continue to trade defensive positions northeast of Bilohorivka, the same Bilohorivka, with Wargonzo reporting that Ukrainian forces recaptured the heights northeast of the settlement. In occupied Luhansk, videos and pictures from the so-called Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, Joint Center for Control and Coordination, or JCCC, confirmed that a, quote, construction camp and poultry farm in Karpathy was struck by rockets fired by HIMARS on May 30th, but left out one kind of critical detail. The camp was a site for heavy equipment and workers building defensive bunkers, trenches, and anti-tank fortifications in the occupied territories. I'm, I'm not sure what the chickens were up to. The LNR JCCC also reported that occupied Mikhailivka was attacked by rockets fired by HIMARS, with no other information available at the time of recording. In northeast Donetsk, Ukrainian Deputy Minister of Defense Hanna Malyar reported on the situation in Bakhmut, saying, quote, The outskirts of the city of Bakhmut in the southwestern part remain under the control of the defense forces, and we control the entrance to the city itself. In fact, the offensive activity of the enemy in the Bakhmut direction has been stopped, so it seems, according to the news, that it is quiet there, but it cannot be called calm. The enemy has increased the amount of artillery fire and is changing its tools. The number of shelling today is commensurate with the times of the heaviest battles for Bakhmut. The Russians are now engaged in regrouping and replacing the Wagnerians with regular troops. However, the Ukrainian military prevents them from doing so in every possible way. The advance of our troops on the flanks was suspended a few days ago, but this does not mean they stand. They perform other military tasks that we cannot announce. These tasks are aimed at increasing the combat capability of our troops. Both sides are preparing and strengthening for further actions. End quote. Exiled mayor of Bakhmut, Oleksiy Reva, 
claimed that of the 70,000 original residents of Bakhmut, only 500 remain in the city. Officially, 204 civilians were killed and 505 wounded during the almost 10-month siege, but the actual number is likely much higher. We maintain that Ukrainian forces hold approximately 1.5 square kilometers of Bakhmut, or a little over half a square mile, roughly 2.8% of the city. In the Klishivka operational area, Ukrainian source Deep State reported that Ukrainian forces continued offensive operations on the outskirts of Klishivka with no change in the situation. In southwest Donetsk, in the Marinka operational area, the Russian MOD reported that the Chechen Akhmat 54th Motor Rifle Brigade had been deployed to Marinka and had taken over offensive operations. The GSAFU, Wargonzo, and Ribar reported that multiple offensives were launched, supported by airstrikes by the Russian VKS, with the GSAFU and Wargonzo reporting the attacks failed, and Ribar reporting fighting continued on the western edge of what was once Druzhby Avenue. The GSAFU also reported that Russian forces made another advance in the direction of Pobida without success. In the Vukhlidar operational area, Russian forces attacking from the northeast of Novomikhailivka were unable to hold their defensive positions after suffering heavy losses, enabling Ukrainian forces to recapture positions held for years by the so-called Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, First Army Corps. In occupied Donetsk, long lines of people waited in Mariupol for humanitarian aid, with tempers flaring among residents. Basic necessities are hard to acquire due to price gouging, shortages, and a regional cash crunch. The self-declared acting leader of the so-called DNR and former casino card dealer, Denis Pushilin, said that demining efforts at the 10-square-kilometer site of the former Azovstal metallurgical plant will be completed by the summer of 2024. Pushilin reiterated the site would be turned into a technology park within the next 10 years. In Zaporizhia, Russian forces conducted 76 fire missions, one drone attack, and one airstrike, targeting 20 settlements along the line of conflict. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Ukrainian Operational Command South, or OKS, reported that nine vessels of the Black Sea fleet were on patrol, including one frigate and two Kilo-class submarines, capable of launching up to 16 caliber cruise missiles in total. Adding to speculation that the Ivan Khurs suffered some damage from an uncrewed surface vessel, or USV, attack, satellite images shared by M.T. Anderson show the spy ship has remained in port in Sevastopol, while a Vishnia-class surveillance vessel has gone on patrol. We maintain our assessment that, according to the only evidence available, Project 18280 Ivan Khurs did not suffer moderate or severe damage in the strike. Still, its immediate return to port after the attack provides insight that there may be damage to sensitive electronic systems or non-penetrating damage below the waterline. Unseasonably wet weather continues to hit Ukraine, with parts of Crimea receiving more than a month's worth of rain in a single day. Yalta received 46 millimeters of precipitation, and a whopping 70 millimeters fell on the Ankharsk Pass. The thunderstorms, some severe, which have been moving through southern and eastern Ukraine, have been a bit hit or miss, with some areas receiving normal or even below-average rainfall during May. <laughs> 
All of that said, the extreme weather has snarled logistics and operations for both combatants. In western and central Ukraine, Russian forces conducted 61 fire missions on Free Kherson, firing 309 artillery rounds, mortars, grad and smirch rockets, drone-delivered IEDs, and bombs, with the city of Kherson targeted 11 times and hit by 57 munitions. Kherson Oblast Administrative and Military Governor Alexander Prokudin reported one person was killed and five wounded, including a five-year-old child. In Khmelnytsky, photos circulating on Russian social media channels and Twitter alleged that satellite images showing destroyed Su-24 aircraft were from the Russian missile strike on Starokostyantyniv Air Base on May 28th. However, the pictures were taken on February 24, 2022, during the first day of Russia's expansion of its war of aggression against Ukraine at the airbase in Lutsk. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In north and northeast Ukraine in the Kyiv region, Russia launched three Iskander-K and seven Iskander-M short-range ballistic missiles, or SRBMs, from the Bryansk region at Kyiv, giving residents and air defenses less than five minutes to respond. Ukrainian officials claim all missiles were intercepted, and in our preliminary assessment, that claim is somewhat suspect. Three people were killed in the Desnyansky district, including two children, and nine were wounded, with seven requiring hospitalization. A multi-story apartment building was heavily damaged, with debris falling on a children's outpatient clinic. The strike was on June 1st at 0245 hours local time, so the clinic was closed. Two schools were also damaged, as well as a nearby police station. At the time of recording, it's unclear if the strike was caused by a missile reaching its target, an intercepted missile crashing into the area with an intact warhead, or an errant air defense missile. In the Dnipro district, three people were wounded, with two hospitalized. A residential building was damaged by falling debris and the shockwave from the low-altitude missile intercept. In the Darnitsky district, another residential building was also damaged by falling debris and the shockwave created when the incoming missile was intercepted. At the time of recording, there were no reports of casualties in the district. This is the 18th air raid on Ukraine's capital since May 1st. Russian state media is claiming that they successfully struck the Defense Intelligence Directorate of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, or GUR, headquarters in Kyiv, with pictures of the building showing damage to the facade. A video circulating on the internet shows a Pac-3 interceptor fired by a Patriot air defense system striking the Dnipro River next to the parking lot and exploding adjacent to a bridge that has been closed for three days. 
head of the GUR, Kirill Obodanov, is very much alive, and there is no indication that the functions of the GUR have been impacted. The pictures only show damage to the facade of the building with the roof intact. There are unconfirmed reports that a Russian missile struck near the building on May 29th, which appears to be plausible based on the available information shared by Russian sources. It's worth noting that several Russian mill bloggers outright dismissed claims by Russian President Vladimir Putin that the building was hit. The missile in the video has been misidentified as a P-800 Onyx anti-ship missile and an Iskander K. The missile in the video doesn't resemble either device, but does closely match, to the best of our ability given the resolution, the Patriot Pack 3 interceptor. While this doesn't solve the mystery of whether the GUR headquarters was hit, it does provide conclusive proof that Kyiv's Patriot air defense system remains operational. Russian forces destroyed the crossing at the Three Sisters checkpoint in the Cherniev region, where Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus meet. Ukrainian military leaders claim the destruction was a Russian defensive decision to prevent a potential future Ukrainian attack toward Bryansk. On the Russian front, Russian partisans with the Free Russian Legion, or FPL, claimed that on June 1st they would once again advance into the Bilgorod region. Over the last 24 hours, Shebikino has been under near-constant shelling, with a significant increase during the evening of May 31st. Bilgorod regional governor Vyacheslav Gladkov reported that the settlement had been attacked by Grad rockets fired by multiple launch rocket systems, or MLRS, wounding eight people. Claims by Russian propagandists of a police officer losing their arm appear untrue, with Glomkov saying a police officer suffered a compound fracture and that no one had died. Early morning artillery fire destroyed the Ministry of Internal Affairs building, that would be like the police station, and several commercial buildings. The FPL released a video announcing they were at the border of Bilgorod, similar to the video made during the border incursion in May. The new video showed an even larger force with more military hardware. The Russian Volunteer Corps, or PVK, released a video claiming they were across the Russian border, declaring, quote, The second phase promised by the PVK commander has begun. Putin's army is hitting the square again, although this time it's not peaceful Ukrainian cities, but Russian cities and villages. Stay in your homes or take shelter. The PDK did not fight and is not fighting with the civilian population. End quote. Also releasing a video, Governor Glodkov said, quote, There was no enemy on the territory of the Bilgorod region. The armed forces, border guards, the Federal Security Service, and the National Guard are on the spot. End quote. He added that the Shabikino district was having a, quote, bad morning due to massive shelling along the Bilgorod border. Despite his claim, the neo-Nazi Russian volunteer group Veterans released a video claiming that TOS-1 MLRS launchers were being used to fire thermobaric weapons at the Russian partisans and that fighting was ongoing across the Russian border. It's important to note there is a lot of fog of war. We'll talk more about it here on the podcast as we learn more, and as always, we'll release flash report updates on our Patreon. Air defense was active in the city of Bilgorod, although there is no information on whether any target was hit or anything shot down. In Bryansk, Rybar claimed that the Klimovsky district was heavily shelled on May 31st. 
Regarding the drones that attacked Moscow and several other regions, Russian officials are reportedly confident that the call is coming from inside the house, which is to say they believe the drones were launched from within the Russian Federation. In tightening security, cars were being searched at checkpoints for drones. The Ministry of Internal Affairs is creating new groups to set up checkpoints at key locations and intersections. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. From April 28th to May 31st, Russian forces launched 208 missiles at Ukraine, with 187 shot down. That means Ukrainian air defenses achieved a 90% success rate, which is considered a top-tier performance. To break it down further, air defenses shot down 92% of KH-101, KH-105 cruise missiles, 90% of caliber cruise missiles, 93% of Iskander-M and Iskander-K SRBMs, and 100% of KH-47 Kinshal hypersonic missiles. Five missiles that were able to hit their targets could not be identified. Russia didn't launch a single missile at Ukraine from March 10th to April 27th, thus building inventory for two months. The volume averages out to 69 missiles per month, which is in alignment with Russian production capability. From May 3rd to 31st, Russia launched 413 Shahed-136 Kamikaze drones, with 377 of them shot down at a 91% success rate. It's estimated that the May missile and drone strikes on Ukraine cost the Russian Federation 1.49 billion U.S. dollars. Roberta Metzola, president of the European Parliament, believes that the European Union should support Ukraine until Russia withdraws troops from its territory and that Ukraine has a right to attack Russian territory, saying, quote, I believe that anybody making this argument is forgetting the fact that Russia invaded Ukraine. This is one country invading another and taking part of its territory. And until Russia leaves Ukraine, we are not going to stop supporting Ukraine. End quote. The official representative of the German government, Stefan Hemerstreit, said in a commentary for German media outlet DW that Ukraine could launch attacks on the territory of Russia, adding that Berlin doesn't want Ukraine to use German weapons for such attacks. Ukrainian forces employed a new weapon to combat smaller kamikaze drones, shotguns. A video showed several Ukrainian soldiers targeting a Russian Lancet drone and successfully destroying it with small arms fire. See, a shotgun works on the same principle as an air defense missile against an aircraft, creating a spray of shrapnel to pierce the drone's body, causing it to suffer an unrecoverable system failure. Ukraine has started serial production of the Bohdana 2.0 155mm self-propelled howitzer, or SPG, When Russia expanded its war of aggression, Ukraine only had one prototype, which was almost intentionally destroyed to prevent the system from being captured. That original unit was later put into service and was used to attack Russian positions on Snake Island in June 2022. The Bohdana Mk2 has been updated with a computerized fire control and automatic guidance system for target tracking. The chassis has also been improved to make it capable of firing on different terrain surfaces. The Security Service of Ukraine, or SBU, 
charged four bloggers who shared the work and location of air defenses during a Russian attack on Kyiv on May 16th. The four women face up to eight years in prison for violating operational security, called OPSEC, with one sharing her video with a major Telegram account, which caused the video to spread across pro-Russian sources. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky met with wounded soldiers at a hospital in Odessa and presented state awards to medics of the Ukrainian armed forces. While in Odessa, he held an off-site meeting of the Stavka. And before our readers and listeners get too excited, it was the full staff and there was a public readout. The United States Department of Defense announced another military aid package of $300 million from the Biden administration's presidential drawdown authority from existing inventory. We break it down in our full situation report on Patreon, but of note, night vision devices and unspecified munitions for the Patriot air defense system, further reinforcing that Russia did not destroy 150% of the Patriot air defense systems in Ukraine. Tyler Rogaway of The Drive reported that the United States and Ukraine had reportedly completed work integrating the AIM-7 Sparrow anti-aircraft missile to the Soviet-era SA-11 Buk-M-1 air defense system, effectively solving the looming ammunition shortage for the legacy equipment. The Ministry of Defense of Ukraine has ordered 300 additional medium-range reconnaissance vector drones from Quantum Systems GmbH in Germany This is Ukraine's third order for the reconnaissance drone, which has proven effective in the battlefield environment. Germany is preparing another military aid package for Ukraine, including tracked vehicles in the BV-206 family and 66 unspecified armored personnel carriers, or APCs. Germany also announced 100 Leopard 1 tanks would be delivered to Ukraine ahead of schedule, thanks to the efforts of German Rheinmetall to restore the Cold War-era tanks for combat. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.